It's time for JT the Brick. I love my job. I love the opportunity that I can come in here and talk to the Raider Nation. Talk to JT. As we are rolling on on the biggest topic in the NFL. This is nothing to dive into and look crazy about. Have we lost our bleep in mind? Look, the elephant in the room is the majority of our audience are Raider fans. And they would like the Raiders to win now. They don't want to rebuild. They don't care about two or three years. The last 20 plus years have been hard and they're sick of it. Excuses die. The record stands. JT the Brick. Are you kidding me? It's an absolute free-for-all with the Raiders on national radio debate shows. Everybody now is throwing blank up against the wall. No, no, no. Who are you listening to? Who's putting this in your head? But what happens next is what should this team do that's responsible, not reckless, makes sense, and could kind of thread the needle and get this team back to greatness. Are you with me on that? Put some respect on JT the Brick's name. And now, sound off like you got a pair. Here's JT the Brick. Out of the gate, JT in studio today. Big, big day. We got a lot going on here. Thanks for listening on the flagship of the Silver and Black, Raider Nation Radio 920 AM, and on the Raiders mobile app where we are streaming big time, man. We got a big streaming audience that makes this kind of work. From me, you, and everybody else here, we can talk to the entire Raider Nation on top of me doing a sports talk show every day on other topics. So we appreciate it. If you're a Raider fan, uh, help us get everybody involved as we're counting down to the Raiders radio all-time team. No affiliation with the organization. Just my show. We're having a fun summer topic. And it is cruising as we try to break down every position group. Uh, Today we wrap up the defensive line, and the second hour of the show we move to the linebackers just to kind of wet your whistle with the linebackers because people are on vacation. People are doing things. So I got Raider fans who are coming back from vacation, going on vacation at the lake, at the beach. So we're counting on Twitter. at JT the Brick is a way to directly get through to me if you can't call. And then this is a participation topic here, so we've had great participation so far But we'd like to hear from some of the new school fans, some of the younger fans, some of the old-timers who know these players as we put these groups together at 702-365-9200. So what I'll do at 1 o'clock, which is an hour from now, we'll announce the Raiders' all-time radio defensive line. We'll have four interior starters and four edge rushers. We'll have a first team and a second team. And as I am dotting the I's and crossing the T's and wrapping this up, I don't know if anything's going to be more controversial than this group. I I don't know. There are people in this group. I've talked to Hall of Famers, Gold Jackets, and guys who are really good that said, you have to include this guy. You have to include this guy. I'm like, okay. Wasn't sure if that guy was going to be an honorable mention or a second teamer. And then I have other people and fans and friends who say it looks pretty obvious it's not. Make sure you look at some of the other guys from the old days and compare them to some of the other players who only played a short period of time. What I've struggled with in this category is the amount of great players who did not play a long period of time for the Raiders, and that would be Richard Seymour and Warren Sapp. They were both great players, and they played great at times for the Raiders. They, played, they both played their ass off, and they played a number of years here. But what do you do with some of the legends that won Super Bowls at the same position and played in bigger games as Raiders? And also the ability to think about and where to put some of the new players, which obviously, wink, wink, is very clear here when we get to the defensive line. Where do we put Max Crosby? As This is radio. We're just projecting what we think Max can be. 
Where could Max be? I don't have a problem putting Max Crosby in the discussion already as one of the greatest Raiders of all time. He's played as long as Warren Sapp and Richard Seymour for the Raiders, right? He's had a, a, a nice career so far, but the, the best is yet to come with Max. We all know that, but why not include him in the debate? I think we should because we have a younger demographic. We're not looking to be perfect here. We're not. This is not the perfect all-time Raiders team. So we're able to kind of juice it up for radio, and Max is under consideration clearly as we get going with names like Howie Long and others. So as we look at all of this, uh, this is it. We're going to close up at the top of the hour on defensive line, and I haven't heard from enough. So there's a couple of guys still on the fence. We want to hear from you now at 702-365-9200. Who do you think's on the fence to be first team or second team? Who do you think should be on the list but probably won't make it so I can include them in an honorable mention in the tweet at the top of the hour? Uh, Give me some of the defensive linemen. There are millions upon millions of Raider fans. I'm looking for a number of thousands to listen to the show and a couple of hundred to contribute. So this is how big this fan base is. I'm not doing the Carolina Panthers all-time team. Okay, everybody, this isn't the Houston Texans all-time team. This is the bleeping Raiders. And the Raiders have a vast fan base. So we'd like to hear from you also via Twitter, at JT the Brick as we open up the show. Man, as I went through you know, some of the players here that are important, Ben Davidson, Chester McLaughlin, more comments on Chester McLaughlin than anybody. Let that sink in. I got more comments on Chester and what he was compared to Howie. I just think people think Howie's going to be on the list, so they didn't really comment much on Howie, which is a disservice to Howie Long because he's one of the greatest players of all time. The amount of people now that I am looking at who are trying to slot Reggie Kinlaw and Otis Sistrunk, John Matuzak, who many told me was a bigger personality than he was a greater player. You know, he did some things for the Raiders. He wasn't a dominant player all the time. He was a dominant personality. Tom Keating, Ben Davidson from the 11 Angry Men. Pound for pound, the greatest defense in the history of the Raiders was not a Super Bowl defense, and they were damn good. It was the 11 Angry Men in the AFL. We look at Greg Townsend, the all-time sack leader. Ike Lassiter, 11 Angry Men, defensive end. Uh, The numbers he put up was enormous. Tony Klein, Horace Jones, Art Toms, Dan Birdwell, an AFL champ, 11 angry men, 13-1 in 1967. Colt Notes, another underrated player, great player in Raider history. Dave Rowe, Super Bowl XI champion. Other players that I liked a lot, Grady Jackson, Tommy Kelly, right? Reagan Upshaw. You look at some of the guys that are here, Russell Maryland. We didn't talk a lot about Russell Maryland yesterday. Had his premier years with the Dallas Cowboys. Sean Jones had one of the best years in Raider history, period, on the defensive line. 15 and a half sacks and 74 tackles in 1986. Uh, Seymour and Sapp, uh, two great dominant defensive players on the interior. I don't think anybody can debate that. They didn't play a long time. Ben Davidson, 11 angry men, all-star 152 games. Raiders got him, and he changed. He, ben Davidson changed the image of the Raiders. Raiders were good, 
Raiders were good in the 60s. Jim Otto, we start talking about some of the great. Ben Davidson came in, and he put the fear into the entire AFC, the AFL into the AFC. Ben Davidson, big arc of the Raiders when you talk about images, the big mustache, six foot seven, six foot eight, fighting everybody, thrown out of games, would put his life on the line for Al Davis to win a game. Where do you slot Ben Davidson? As we move on, John Matuzak, uh, who I mentioned, Tuz had a big impact. So many other players that I have here that I'm just trying to slot first or second team. Oh, guy we didn't spend a lot of time with yesterday, Lyle Alzado. Most of his career, Denver and Cleveland before he came to the Raiders. Well, what an impact he had. Super Bowl year for him. He had 50 tackles and seven and a half sacks. Howie Long's best friend at the time. Uh, they were side by side, Lyle Alzado. Where do you put him in all time? Only played from the Raiders 82 to 85. Max is now playing longer than Lyle Alzado. You can compare Lyle and Max. We're going to do that on the show. Big Ted Washington was a very good Raider. Never missed a game. Started every game. 16-16 in his years with the Raiders. Very productive. And third down Pat, Pat Toomey. 14 and a half sacks in 1977. Pretty impressive year. So that's the defensive line. And if you have any late additions, let's hear it from you at 702-365-9200. And uh, another side topic, who's your favorite all-time Raider defensive lineman, edge or interior? you got to have that answer to that question. you know, you got got to be able to answer that one for me at JT the Brick on Twitter or give us a call on the phones here, and we'll get that going here. This is a lot more work for me than I understood because I had to blow out my guests and not have any guests, which means I can't breathe unless I pause, and I don't like to pause. So jump on in this conversation from the black hole to those who sit in the upper deck at Allegiant to those who went to Keysar Stadium, those who went to Los Angeles at the Coliseum, and most importantly, the great fans in Oakland and in the East Bay of the Oakland Raiders because these guys seem to pretty much be Oakland or L.A. Raiders when we get to this position group. Uh, a little bit later on, we'll get to the linebackers, Biggest decision I had to make there for radio purposes is move Khalil Mack to linebacker because you better believe Khalil Mack's on this all-time team. I don't care what you think there. My name's on this show, Khalil Mack. I've moved out of defensive end because historically he came in, he was drafted as a linebacker. Reminds me of that lot of Lawrence Taylor. Lawrence Taylor's the greatest linebacker of all time. He lined up on the edge every time I saw him play. I was a huge fan. He's my favorite all-time player. Lawrence Taylor, but was drafted as a linebacker like Khalil Mack out of Buffalo. So when we get to the linebacker position, I kept Khalil Mack out of defensive line where he predominantly plays. I slotted him at linebacker, and you will hear about Khalil Mack coming up there along with some of the other linebackers that come to mind. Phil Villapiano, Dan Connors. <laughs> I mean, you want to talk about great players. Rod Martin, three interceptions in a Super Bowl. Matt Millen. I got my work cut out for me. So at linebacker, uh, someone told me outside the building, who worked inside the building back in the day, how many linebackers are you using? I said eight. I'm going to have four starters, four backups. How am I going to fit that in? Do they all have to be middle line? No. I'm taking the eight best linebackers. And you can start calling on that as we're wrapping up the defensive line. If you're not going to be with us tomorrow or you can't call in tomorrow, I open up the doors for the linebacker position Today, and we'll do that now at 702-365-9200. Man, 
I'm looking at the Raiders linebacker, and we know there's not going to be any new guys. Unfortunately, there's been some really fun linebackers who played well. Greg Beekert, Kirk Morrison. I can go down the list. There are some linebackers who have played on this team. But this organization has had an absolute drought at the linebacker position like I can't believe. The eight linebackers I'm putting into this class of first and second team are some of the most recognized players to ever play in the NFL. And now we're trying to find linebackers like we're looking through empty doors. Hey, who do we got here? Why is it difficult to do it now? I think a lot of it has to do with the hybrid linebacker, the linebacker now that doesn't play every down, the linebacker who could be exclusive in pass coverage, the linebacker that exclusively rushes the passer. But the Raiders had linebackers in the 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s that could go sideline to sideline, and they didn't come off the field. What's the problem now? I don't know. I, I, you know, the, the, the Raiders have not been able to trade up, move up, or just get lucky at the linebacker position. So you could say they've had a lot of bad luck. I'm not looking for Ray Lewis or Brian Urlacher, but it'd be nice to find one of those guys over a decade or two. And it's not happening because I think the Raiders are trying and they're swinging and missing. Former regimes and GMs, and hopefully Dave Ziegler changes that, are swinging and missing with the Raider organization at this position. Hate to be honest, I don't sugarcoat anything. We got to get some linebackers in here. So if it's going to be Robert Spillane and he improves on that, Robert Spillane can't be Nick Kwiatkowski. Remember him? Can't have that. We can't have guys like that that are in the door, out the door, paid, supposed to be good, and then out of the league or off the team. Can't have that. We need some linebackers to stick here. So I'm pulling for Spillane, and I'm pulling for Divine Diablo. And I'm hoping that these guys can stay on the field and do a good job, but it's really been the weakness of the Raiders because offensive coordinators know this, and they attack the middle of the field. They attack the soft cushion that is anywhere from 10 to 20 yards over the middle of the field. And unfortunately, the Raider linebackers recently have not been able to cover the middle of the field. Well, hopefully that changes. We got Epps at safety, Spillane in the middle. Hopefully they get good chemistry year one and they can make big plays. And as I mentioned, Divine Diablo, who's very athletic, can uh, tackle better, not get injured, and stay on the field and really be a productive player. So, again, this is more about the Raiders' all-time team at the linebacker position and the defensive line position. But how do you – I mean, Al Davis – let's get Mr. Davis into the monologue brought to you by PTs, the best happy hour in town, 5 to 7, midnight to 2. No one competes with PTs in town with the 64-plus taverns in the happy hour. And people are looking for deals, and the best deal in town that I know – uh, that's why they open up the monologue is that happy hour. They got you twice, 5 to 7, midnight to 2, and all the other sports going on. Al Davis had a knack to find defensive players. He did, and he found them off the scrap heap. Matt Millen and Lyle Alzado are two examples. Ben Davidson, when you look at other players that were able to excel when they got here, they were drafted by other teams. Mr. Davis watched their linebacker prowess and then was able to get them away from those teams and bring them on. I'll also get to that at the cornerback position with Mike Haynes, right from New England, one of the greatest trades in NFL history. But wow, Al Davis was really good at finding linebackers, undersized guys like Reggie Kinlaw, 
uh, players on the defensive line, and most importantly, players on other teams that were discarded, and the Raiders brought them in, and they became iconic players. One of my favorites, Romocop, Bill Romanowski. Oh, my God. Four-time Super Bowl champ. People at the end said, a Bronco's going to play for the Raiders? He loves the Raiders. Romanowski lives for the Raiders and played his ass off. I put Romanowski in the category. He played in the Super Bowl. I put him in the category of Warren Sapp and Richard Seymour, former players who've done their best with other teams, came to the Raiders and played at a high level. Where do you put Bill Romanowski? All time, but as a Raider, he only played with the Raiders a short period of time. I really enjoyed Greg Beekert. The famous Peyton Manning game when he was calling Peyton Manning's plays and setting the defense up over Peyton Manning. God, we got to dive into that game. That was one of my favorite games since I've been with the organization. And Beaker did his job. He wasn't an elite player, elite, super elite, but Beaker, you knew, could line everybody up, tackle. Anybody who was in front of him, he ripped them down, tackled them, threw them to the ground. He did his job. Played at a high level for this team. But now the organization has got to find a way And I don't think this regime, which I support, doesn't want to overpay for aging linebackers. We're not going to go out there and overpay for an aging linebacker. But, man, a couple of the recent guys have been pretty good. Denzel Perryman played his ass off for this team. I really liked watching him play. He was really good. So maybe if you want to tie this into our linebacker conversation, which will be Wednesday. So we're doing about a day and a half with each group. So we're recapping the day before. We're announcing who wins. First and second team, I'll do that in about 40 minutes, and then we move on to another position group. So Wednesday, which is tomorrow, we'll start with linebackers. I think the phones are going to be better than today. I think people are going to rip it up and get into the linebackers here, and we're going to do that tomorrow. And then Friday, we have other programming lined up here also, and I just sat down today for 45 minutes to 50 minutes with Reggie Jackson. I don't want to say it was a highlight of my career. I've been doing this 27 years, but it's something I'll never forget. I came in here at 10 in the morning. Reggie was ready at 10.01. We talked to about 10.45, 10.50 on his life. The documentary. What he told me, I think it's going to be breaking news about wanting to buy into this A's group to no avail. Wasn't aware of that. And a lot about diversity. Uh, Reggie wanted to spend some time with me talking about some of the racial issues he saw as a child. It's all in the documentary, Reggie, if you didn't get a chance to see it. Uh, We talked about the Yankee years, the Charlie Finley years with Oakland, and Jim Brown, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, some of the people that had an impact on his life when it came to civil rights. I thought it was a really nice conversation. and We had some laughs at the end and some fun and a really special moment for me for Reggie to think of me He only did five exclusive interviews, five total, coming off his documentary, including uh, Good Morning America and the Howard Stern Show. And he kept texting me, you're next, you're next, and today was the day. So I was really happy about that. We're going to play that entire hour on Friday, even the first or second hour. So stay tuned for that. Summer League's getting a lot of hype. If you went to Summer League, you got a good story to tell. Good to see Chet Holmgren back from Oklahoma City who got injured and didn't play last year. I thought that was a really big deal. And on top of that, uh, they're going to shut down. (laughs) What a topic. They're going to shut down Victor Wenbayana, which is okay. It's only summer league. He played two games. The second game was great. But now people are talking about how many minutes he'll play. Also, the NBA came up with the NBA Cup. 
They're going to have an early season tournament, which I'm not as negative on as I thought, Bobby. And here's why. Here's why on this. Because the NBA needs to get fans interested before Christmas. No one is. The NBA stinks before Christmas. They come in. They come in. No one's in shape. No one plays defense. And the NBA needs to grab our attention. So they're going to play games in different brackets with teams in the division. And it's going to end up in Vegas in the semifinal or final, which I love about that. And what they're going to do is they're going to try to get fans interested in winning this NBA Cup. And they're going to pay the players more. So on top of the contracts, Bobby, that they have, which are enormous, Mm -hmm. they're going to have an incentive to play hard and not load management and try to win this in-season, early in-season NBA Cup. What do you think? Well, I'll tell you, I'm glad they're going to have the semifinals and the finals in Vegas. I think that part's pretty cool. The rest of it, you're going to have to show me because I just I can't buy into this whole NBA Cup thing. Mm -hmm. We'll see. It might end up being cool. But right now, I'm just... I I think a lot of our listeners should call in on that who are NBA fans because it's something different. The reason why I get it is they do this in Europe and European soccer and they do this around the world. They have this because, you know, in in European soccer, you're playing for the Premier League or the European Cup, but they give incentive for what they call trophies, other trophies. So is Steph Curry going to be passionate about winning the NBA Cup in December? I don't know. Is the money going to be different? Look, if I'm playing, I don't know the exact dollars here, but if I'm playing for a little extra money for my wife or my kids or my grandkids time went down the road and I can win a little bit more money, whatever. And you get to come to Vegas and do that. And then the firing of Pat Fitzgerald, and Pat Fitzgerald now has an opinion on him being fired and what happened at Northwestern. I did three hours on this last night on Mad Dog Sports Radio. It's a really unique topic about hazing. I grew up in a big hazing environment. I was in a fraternity. I became the president of the fraternity. I wasn't involved in the pledging process, but I was a pledge. There was tremendous hazing. None of it sexual in nature because they're talking about what happened at Northwestern. There could have been some graphic things that went down. But many people who are listening to me today were hazed and hazed other people. And the intent was in the Greek system of fraternities and sororities, it was going to happen. You don't join a sorority and a fraternity and just sign up and pay dues and you're in. There's got to be some process that you go through in order to become a member of that Greek establishment. And now we live in a day of canceled culture and everybody should be protective. I'm not a big believer. My son just graduated college. He was in a fraternity. Not to get into details. I never asked him what his process was. It's his business, not mine. But a lot of people don't want to see any hazing at all. The Junction Boys back in the day used to practice without water. Okay, they Gene Stallings, you go back to Bear Bryant, they would practice in the heat without water. That water was held back from them, that was hazing. That to me is super extreme, and we're going to find out more about this. So uh, another side topic I want to throw out today as we build the Raiders' all-time defensive line is where do you stand on hazing in sports? Where do you stand? High school. You got kids playing high school, junior high school. Bullies. Hazing. And what should be the job of the head coach to know what's going on? What didn't Pat Fitzgerald is he initially said he didn't know about it. People like, give me a break. You didn't know about it. You're the head coach. There's like 11 or 12 players coming forward saying that you were involved with hazing, and he denied it, and he shouldn't have denied it. He should have said, I was aware that there was hazing going on. I wasn't familiar with the fact that it was this extreme. He would have kept his job. He didn't know how to handle the press conference. 
9200. Let's begin with Raider 66 right here in Vegas. Go ahead. Hey, good morning. Uh, good afternoon, JT. Yep. Um, so you wanted to hold off on the linebackers till tomorrow? Yeah, you can. You, I would want to hear from you every day. You've been calling in a lot. You get it. Oh. I can't run a radio show without you and like three other guys calling on this topic. So I'll take you for however long you want. Go ahead. Oh, great. Oh, speaking of that, uh, I, I enjoyed your commercial about the, uh, the black hole, and I was listening to it a while back and told my wife about it, and uh, my beautiful wife uh, gave me a membership for Father's Day. So wow. I got my T-shirt recently, and I'm a member now, so that, that's very awesome. Excellent. So, Pre- yeah. Appreciate Thanks that. That's really cool you're, to know. Welcome to the crew. You're welcome. Yes, yes. I, I, I've uh, I worshipped them from afar for a long time, and uh, now, now I get to be part of it. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, the, the linebackers, I'm just going to read off my, my names, and then i got a couple of stories about these guys. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you got to go with Tim Hedricks, Hall of Fame. you got to go with Khalil Mack. I mean, you're talking defensive player of the year and the only man to win all pro as a defensive lineman and a linebacker the same year, 2015. Uh, those guys are, are shoe-ins. And then the old man, Phil Villapiano, is going to be my inside linebacker. And Matt mm. Millen will be uh, on the starters, the other inside guy. Matt Millen, uh, this guy is just hilarious. I mean, he has got some quotes that are amazing. A couple for you. When he was a rookie in 1980, the, uh, the Raiders, I think it was the Charger game, the championship game, the, he's, he's out there talking to the veterans. I mean, we're talking about Hendricks. We're talking about uh, Duster Hayes. He's going, come on, guys, we've got to win this game. I've waited my whole career to get to the Super Bowl. He's a rookie. <laughs> and, he, and I waited my whole career to get to the yeah, Super Bowl. That's funny. And, then, and then when they were at Super Bowl 18, uh, some member of the, of the uh, media was uh, trying to get quotes, you know, on, on how much uh, Super Bowl meant to everybody. So he talked to Russ Grimm, one of the hogs from the Washington Redskins, and he said, I'd, I'd run over my mother to, to win a Super Bowl. So they went to uh, Matt Millen, and they said, you know, uh, how important is this? We asked uh, Russ, and he said he'd run over his mother to get a Super Bowl. He goes, yeah, same with me. He goes, I'd run over Russ Grimm's mother, too. <laughs> and uh, I, I just thought that was hilarious. And then the, the backups, you got Rod Martin, three Super Bowl uh, interception, mm-hmm. you know, un, unsurpassed. Uh, and I got Greg Beekert and Dan Connors in the middle and Monty Johnson from the uh, from Yeah, the I love Monty Johnson. I yes, love Monty yes. Johnson all yes. time, no doubt. And, and I love what you said, too, about – I think what's going to be a big deal, 66, is where do you put Rod Martin as a starter on the first team with that iconic moment with three interceptions, or is he on the second unit? I don't know. i got to talk to a lot of people about that. It's going to take a day or two to figure out. And and you touched on the one thing about Beekert, the the reason he's got to be in there is Mm. that game against uh, Peyton Manning where he figured it out, and then at halftime, I mean, the the Raiders are down 21-0 and 24-7 at half. And he goes in at halftime, and he is diagramming plays on the thing and saying, look, if they, if they go this, if they say this word, this, this, and the Raiders came back and won 38-31. And then Dan Connors had a similar moment back in 1970. JT, you probably remember the, the five-game stretch that George Blanda had in 1970 with those miraculous comebacks. Mm-hmm. Well, the game against Kansas City, they ended up tying 17-17. But what happened is that's the famous play where Len Dawson on, uh, on third down runs for a first down, and then Ben Davidson – uh, does a cartwheel with his helmet first on Lynn Dawson's back. Big melee ensues, and they throw flags all over the place. And as soon as he gets up, uh, Otis Taylor hits Ben Davidson. So another flags go up again. Well, what happened on there is they, they assessed the 15-yard personal foul penalty against the Raiders. So it was going to be a first down because Lynn Dawson got the first down anyway. It's going to be a first down, and the Raiders were going to lose the game 17-14. Dan Connors goes up to the official, and he goes, uh, excuse me, uh, what about that personal foul on Otis Taylor? He goes, if you don't assess that, 
He goes, I'm taking my guys and I'm walking off the field. How's that going to play on TV? The officials huddled. They realized he was correct. They assessed the penalty, uh, offsetting penalties, so the uh, Chiefs had to run the play again. They did not get the first down. And uh, um, uh, LaMonica had like 26 seconds to go. They Blanda kicked a 48-yard field goal to tie, and, uh, you know, the, the streak continued. But in that, in that, because of that play, two rules were changed. The next year they changed uh, that it wouldn't be offsetting penalties. They would award the first down and then the penalty yards. And then years later, uh, the reason that you have to do, that you just touch down a guy after he's, you know, fallen or, mm-hmm. or whatever and not trying to get up, that is because that's been known as the Ben Davidson rule. Yes. Because if you're down, he's going to hammer you anyway, so it doesn't matter. Thanks, JT, for Thank the time you. so much. Appreciate, appreciate it. it. Appreciate it. Really appreciate Raider 66 along with a handful of other guys so far. We haven't heard from one woman on our all, Raiders all-time team. We haven't had one call from a woman. We're very inclusive on this show. Want to hear from the Raider Nation, the gals, on who their favorite player is. You know, want to hear from you on this at 702-365-9200. Yeah, we're pivoting now or to the top of the hour on the linebackers. Top of the hour, I will – I got one more blank on this Raiders all-time team. First team, second team, I'm struggling at a tackle position a tackle position with one more name, and I'm getting a lot of feedback and text messages and people chiming in, so I appreciate that very much. Also, the monologue brought to you by Resorts World. Have you been there yet? I was there the other night at the 8 Cigar Lounge. Wow, what an experience just to go there, have a cigar, have a cocktail, come out, and you just walk past that big globe and Zook Nightclub and Red Tail. Then I took my friend over to our spot where we like to hang out, Doghouse Saloon, and uh, had a beverage there. Fantastic. Uh, I love the vision of what Resorts World's doing. Let's get some locals in there. Locals, head on out to Resorts World, see the great menus, the food, the restaurants, all the activations. Let's get the phones going. We'll get you on the other side, 702-365-9200. The Raiders Radio all-time team. I think it's a great idea because we're talking Raiders football and we're talking about the legends, and I don't hear any other radio show outside of Vegas talking about the Raiders or Raider legends ever. That's why it's our job to do it on the official flagship of the Silver and Black. I remember watching the broadcast on ESPN, and now a friend of mine, Paul Zimmerman, uh, was doing the analysis of the draft, and uh, they said Howie Long uh, out of Villanova, the 48th player picked. Paul, what's your viewpoint on this? Paul said, well, I I don't have him on any of my charts. I I, I think they could have got him in the 10th round. This is a mistake. Howie Long, the great Howie Long. JT, back with you. Raiders all-time defensive line is what we've been working on the last couple of days. A couple of takeaways for me before I tweet it out, at JT the Brick, what we have here at the top of the hour. Uh, Reggie Kinlaw fascinates me. Reggie Kinlaw fascinates me because of where he was drafted. A completely throwaway pick, throwaway pick, 12th round in the 300s. You throw that pick away, it's just, hey, let's see what happens. Won a national championship at Oklahoma. My son went to Oklahoma, getting to know Reggie and the impact. I would arguably say, arguably, the greatest all-time Raiders draft pick because of how late it went. 300-plus pick. I mean, you got to be kidding me. 
and then he turns out to win two Super Bowls, and he dominates in the Super Bowl. Dominates in the Super Bowl. Round 12, pick 320. I mean, that's kind of an undrafted guy today and what he was able to do, which is fascinating to me. And as I said earlier, Chester McLaughlin, I, I knew what type of player he was. I didn't realize he was that great from talking to the players and my players' impact and the guys I'm talking to all off the record, all off the record with just friends and relationships I had, how important Chester McLaughlin was. And then Sapp and all the other players, people have – Different opinions of Matuzak and Sapp, Richard Seymour and Otis Sistrunk. And that's why we're just talking about it. We're having a conversation here on the radio. Chris in Sacramento, uh, excuse me, Raider Greg. Raider Greg, go ahead in Sacramento. What's happening? Hey, hey JT, good afternoon. Uh, I love what you're, what you're doing with this topic with the list of D Lyman because I think that's Raiders through and through. Uh, my favorite of all time, I think, right now, and I think he's got to be on the list already, is Mad Max. Mm-hmm. I think Mad Max through and through is a Raider. I mean, from where he came from, the adversities in life. I mean, he's just what a. I think that's what Raider fans. What we love is the players that we can we can relate to. The players that are like us. Uh, and I just, I mean, a family man, a father, uh, and he's that alpha dog. That's another reason why I like with Carr not being there because he's the undisputed leader, and that's why I got faith in the team because. The team's going to go where Max. Max is not going to let this team fall short. He is the leader. And to me, Max, I mean, I think he's going to go down as top five all time, maybe even the best Raider player of all time. Um, wow. And I, I wanted to say that I wanted to say that about Max because Max, I mean, the guy literally gets better, it seems like, every single day. Just the, the way that he cares about the history, the way that he – uh, talks about his teammates. I mean, he is that guy, a creative player. Uh, and I also want to say something real quick on the hazing. You know, growing up playing football, I mean, carrying pads. When I came in as a freshman, you know, you carry the pads. You know, you got to get the food. You got to get the snacks. You know, we had a thing where, you know, sometimes we used to shave the heads of the, of the younger mm. cats coming in at camp. To me, I just thought that was a rite of passage. I mean, obviously, sexual stuff is not acceptable, but I mean, the, 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 I think of it more as right of passes. I think hazing is when it goes out of hand, right? But I think on the team, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I thank you for taking yeah, the call. Yeah, I have no problem with Max Crosby. Um, I'll make my call on that coming up here in about 20 minutes. You know what Max means to me and getting to know Max. That's one of the, you know, I don't know a lot of these new guys, even in my role here on the radio and what I do with the Raiders on TV in the preseason. You know, because of COVID. We had a couple of years of COVID, but I got to know Max pretty good. And I, I speak very highly of him on every level of what he does on and off the field. And he has the ability to be one of the all-time greats. Clearly worthy now for mention of the Raiders' all-time team on defense. No problem with that. There's only a handful of players. There's really only a couple of players that I think could be on this list that we compile it for radio purposes only, and that would be Max. Josh Jacobs and Devontae. Those are the only guys. I'm not going to put Jimmy Garoppolo on the all-time team. He hasn't played. I'm not going to put anybody else in. Max, Josh Jacobs, and Devontae when we get to those categories of them. And I'd love to hear what you have to say. Chris in Sacramento, big part of what we're trying to do here. Go ahead, Chris. Hey, buddy. What's going on? All good. Hot, hot, hot in Vegas. You're not 106 in Sacktown, right? You got a little bit of breather? 
Uh, it's like 91 right now, but it's getting hotter. <laughs> I'm actually uh, heading out in the morning to uh, Mexico, so it'll be it'll be Vegas hot down there. So. <laughs> enjoy, enjoy. I, I, I wanted to call uh, today with my linebackers, if that's yes, okay. Yes, please do. I'll be on a plane tomorrow. Uh, you know, with all due respect to Khalil Mack and his 40-and-a-half sacks in 64 games with the Raiders, I, I don't know if he's a linebacker. I don't know if he's an end. He's certainly an amazing athlete, but I'm not counting him. So, uh, mm-hmm. so I'm going to leave him off the list. But I'd like to talk a little bit about some of the great linebackers in Raider history, the real linebackers, the guys that played in the middle. They weren't specialized. They just, they just, uh, you know, dominated the, the back of the line there. And we had some great ones, you know, and I'm just going to mention guys like Jerry Robinson and uh, Jeff Barnes, who's one of the great uh, Raider ambassadors mm-hmm. of all time, Jeff Barnes. He's at every Raider event ever, ever. Uh, you know, we had guys like Aaron Wallace, and and the last consistent Raider linebacker was Kirk Morrison, and he was a, a really solid player for us uh, uh, at that position out of San Diego State. Then you had your upper echelon guys, uh when I grew up in the 70s, the face that I always remember seeing was Monty Johnson. He just fit that Raider image with the mustache and that hardcore. This guy broke his vertebrae in the Ghost of the Post game and played the entire game, including overtime, with a broken neck. I mean, if that's not a Raider legend, that's, that, then who is, right? Gus Otto, uh, obviously Dan Connors and his career in the AFL was great. But that gets me to my top guys. It's not Rolando McClain. It's not Ben Heaney. It's going to be number two is a tie with Phil Villapiano, Fu, another great Raider ambassador who was just nasty, nasty, nasty during those years. Uh, and Rod Martin, who uh, I named my kids after, uh, Rod Wayna. Martina and Rod Jr. He gets a Christmas card every year with those names on it. Uh, just a great under undersized guy coming out of college and ended up just playing an amazing career with the Raiders. Obviously, number one is kick him in the head, Ted. Hall of Famer, you know, 16 playoff games with the Raiders. Uh, you know, he played with other teams, but Ted will always be – maybe the top three greatest Raiders of all time. Mm-hmm. And that's my list, and I will see you uh, when we do the next group. Thank you, Chris. Excellent. Very detailed. Gus Otto, Dan Connors. I mean, where do you put all these guys? And, again, I think I think when I get to the linebacker position, first team, second team will also be pretty controversial. You know, you put a guy like Dan Connors on the first team or second team, I'm not looking to get in a fight with anybody over that. Matt Millen on the first or second team. You know, I'm picking eight. I'm picking eight. Linebackers, that's all. That's the only rule I have. And if you want to rank them in order of one to eight, you could do that. But we're going to come up with eight linebackers. And maybe, as Bobby said, as we talked about this ahead of time, is this could be the one-position group where we want to avoid first and second team. We want to clump eight guys together and just put them in there, but that's not part of this promotion we're doing. We, we're putting a little bit of our balls. We, this is sports. We use balls here. Putting a little bit of balls on the table here when we make pos- position picks from first to second round. And I, I don't know. I don't know. I didn't see Dan Connors play, but I know all about him from being around this organization and the history. 
So we continue on. I guess we don't put women to the front of the line, right? I, I, I don't know. Paul and Beth Page, Long Island. I, w- I would go with Wendy, but Paul, you're up. Go ahead. JT, how are you, my friend? Doing well. Thanks. JT, it's 91 degrees, New York. Vegas hot here. Yeah, that you got humidity and bugs. I left Massapequa for that reason, <laughs> humidity and bugs. Uh, but I'm, I'm real. We border you and Beth Page, so I, I know all about that weather, man. Thanks for calling in. What do you got on this I, list? I, I, I know your heart is in Vegas, you know, but I know you'll my heart's in, Hey, my heart's in Long Island, man. That's where I'm born and raised and from. Uh, I've, I've lived in San Diego, L.A., San Francisco, Vegas. I love Vegas, but I'm a Long Island guy. You know that. What are you doing, well, you, deep, you, de- defensive line or linebackers? Where do you want to go? Defensive line. Go ahead. Okay, I got I got a couple of my favorites, and I'll go fast. Richard Seymour, you know, Al Davis always wanted him years mm-hmm. before. He even wanted him. He was always my favorite. Max is my, my always, he's my new guy, always been there. I'm going to give you a quote, and you tell me who it is, because you're good with the quotes. I made a deal with the devil, and the devil came knocking. Who am I? I made a deal with the devil, and the devil came knocking. Can I go twos, Matuzak? Give it to Lyle me. Alze- Lyle, Lyle Alzado. Alzado. Yeah. Close, but not close enough. Yeah. All right. Lyle's also under heavy consideration, too, here. Um, that it? You got one more player? That's it. All right, buddy. Thank you. Thanks for calling from Beth Page. Appreciate it. Uh, home of my youth. And very much appreciate that. Uh, let's get Wendy up here quickly because Wendy's very good. And, Wendy, how's your off season going on? And how can you contribute and help us out with this group? Hey, how's it going, JT? Yeah, I'm, um, I've been listening every day, but I'm working, so it's kind of hard to call in, but I did. Appreciate it. I did have to go outside because you called me out, so you're like, <laughs> okay, I got to call in. Yes. Um, I remember I really fell in love with the defense when I went to a game at the Cal Memorial Stadium when I was a kid. My dad took me. They had one game because they couldn't, they couldn't reserve the right stadium so they played up there in berkeley one time Mm -hmm. and we got to walk onto the field you know with the players after the game because that's the way you got out most of the time and i remember just standing next to these guys and they're going hey little girl how you doing you know and i was like oh i'm in love with the big the big men you know Mm -hmm. and i love the way that the defenders defense has to has to figure out what the offense is doing i mean before they had the green dot and somebody in your ear, those guys were looking and trying to figure out what was going on. And so it was always interesting to me that they would have to figure out the play. Then they'd have to figure out the play after the snap. Mm-hmm. So it's always like two or three resets in order to get get to the quarterback or get the ball, one mm-hmm. or the other. And so, you know, I've always, I've always liked the defense better. But for me... I, I had to get a Howie Long jersey when I first started buying jerseys, and he's my number one guy. But I got to say, you know, when you get to the linebackers, I'm going to have to call in because I got some more, and I don't want to do it now, but I'll do it later in the week. But, Sounds yeah, good. Um, the, most, the most important thing that I feel is that, you know, when, you, when you're sitting in the audience, it's exciting when you see a touchdown. But what's more exciting is a fumble recovery or an interception that's run back for a touchdown. Those are incredible, and those are done by my favorite defense. defense. <laughs> Thanks, JT. Thanks, Wendy. Appreciate hearing from you. Okay, we didn't get shut out by a lady, and just when Wendy comes in and contributes. So if you're following me on Twitter, I hope you can, and get involved with your 
tweets at JT the Brick. I just tweeted out the all-time team. Defensive line, Raiders all-time team. A lot of it came from you. And uh, some players, some staff, some former staff and people that I count on for strong opinions. So it is there right now. I will uh, announce that here at the top of the hour. Also a late guest, Pete Futak, will join us from College Football News on Pat Fitzgerald getting fired. Wow, that's a big story in sports. Hazing, what did he know or not? Pete Futak from College Football News, he'll join us next hour. And we're officially on to the linebackers. We're moving the linebackers from 1 o'clock to 2 o'clock Pacific time. And we'll do that on Thursday, plus my exclusive interview today with Reggie Jackson, Mr. October. we got a piece of that coming up as we continue. I feel like everybody, you know, no matter what you – what team you root for growing up, you know, you always hear about the Raiders and what they had going on and Al Davis and all those things. So, I, you know, I'm a big football fan in general, you know, since I was a child. So I've, I kind of already, you know, kind of had a, kind of had a um, head start on it. But when I first got here, you know, George Atkinson, he's in the building every day. So I get to, I get to talk to him and he, he shares stories from way back in the day. And, you know, just our training staff with Cortez and Scotty and all those guys, they, they were around, you know, for the last 30 years and things like that. So I just get to, you know, hear all the stories, and I'm always asking because, you know, every story gets a little bit crazier and crazier. So, um, yeah, you know, it's just a part of part of what Raider Nation is. You know, the history is, you know, like no other. Mad Max Crosby on an interview he did with me about a year or so ago. Yeah, about a year ago. Mad Max as we continue. Pete Futek, next hour, college football news on Pat Fitzgerald. I didn't mention home run derby last night. It was good. It was really good. I didn't think it would be good. It was excellent. And my thoughts on Summer League coming up here. All right, so here we are with the Raiders' all-time defensive line, according to me, on Raider Nation Radio with votes from everyone, all walks of life. Appreciate everybody who contributed. Here's who we have. First team, Raiders' defensive line, all-time. Howie Long, Greg Townsend, Tom Keating, Reggie Kinlaw. Big decision, Tom Keating, the greatest tackle of the entire AFL run. 11 angry men, the anchor of that defense. Reggie Kinlaw, I moved Reggie up to the first team because of his two Super Bowls and the impact he had in those games. And again, I'm not going to talk about who said what, but I talked to a lot of people about this. And Reggie Kinlaw, if you put him on the first or second team, again, Reggie wouldn't have cared. None of these guys would have cared. None of them do care. It's just for radio and some summer entertainment, but I got Reggie Kinlaw and Tom Keating as the Raiders' all-time defensive tackles. The reserve team, Ben Davidson, Max Crosby, Otis Sistrunk, and Chester McLaughlin. That's going to be controversial for some, not to me. I did a deep dive talking to Hall of Famers, Gold Jackets, Players who played in the era, and they've told me to a man, Chester was a beast. A four-time pro bowler. An elite player with the Raiders. Dominant. Now, we're not talking about his entire career. And if you have an issue with this, most people believe McLaughlin was dominant. I have him second team, four pro bowls, 94 through 97 in six seasons with the Raiders. First team all pro in 94 and 96. 
second team All Pro in '95. Uh, Phil doesn't matter that I that I tell you Phil Villapiano, who's been contributing with me. He said Chester McLaughlin, massive man, nobody could get by him. So I have him on our list also on the second team in my honorable mentions: John Matuzak, Daryl Russell, Bill Pakel, Lyle Alzado, and Ike Lassiter. Those are my honorable mentions. All up there at JT the Brick on Twitter. Again, the starters: Howie Long, Greg Townsend, Tom Keating, Reggie Kinlaw. Right behind them, Big Ben Davidson, Max Crosby. From the University of Mars, Otis Sistrunk and Chester McLaughlin. I think Max deserves to be on this list as we look forward to his great career. We move on to the linebackers next on the Raiders Radio all-time team.